praise the Lord. And now I know a little more of what that's like since I taught in kids' church last week. So praise God. You know, uh, you know what? God can speak to us. And some of us, uh, how many people out there call yourself logical thinkers? Come on. All right. You're more lineal, huh? You tend to like to follow a straight line of logic. You like a set of facts that are set before you. Boom, 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 boom. And they relate and they, they follow in sequence. And that's more of, of the Western mind, isn't it? In the West, we're more apt and more used to receiving information truths, messages that way, kind of linear, kind of more facts. That's how we work. That's how we function. However, in the East, if you're, if you're more Eastern or Asian, and how many people have parents or were raised by parents that were more Eastern and in, in more Asian? In, in, yeah, raise your hands. All right. We got a few of you out there. That tends to be a little different. And in my family, I have a brother-in-law and a family line that's Asian as well, and so it is a little different. They, they don't tend to like share things always in a straight line. In fact, they pass along messages and information through stories. They tell stories instead of logical presentations. So in the West, if you don't want your kids to get hit by a car in the street, right, what do you do? You tell them about cars, you tell them about the weight of the car, this is huge, you tell them about the speeds, you tell them about the blind spots. You kind of, in some ways, scare them to death like they did to us in driver's training. We, our, every generation has a driver's training film, don't you? You all had them. You know, you look back to they all had them, and on our generation, it was red asphalt. <laughs> Doesn't that sound bad? It was. It was gory and bloody and all that to try to scare us straight so we wouldn't drink and drive or we wouldn't, you know, have girlfriends next to us in the seat or you know, play our music too loud and not pay attention during those days. And so they used a logical presentation to try to reach us. However, if you were Eastern or Asian and your parents were trying to teach their kids how to navigate the road, how to deal with crossing it or, 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 or being around it, they might opt for a little story. And they might tell you a little story about a cocky little chick in the barnyard. And they might talk about how this chick had to learn to get across the barnyard with all the big equipment and things and cross the road to get to the other side. You know why the chick didn't cross the road to get to the other side, don't you? Huh? Come on, who knows? Well, I'm not going to tell you. Okay, somebody is getting the answer. All right. <laughs> you know, they might tell you a story like that. And so in that story, though, they want you to get... They're not going to tell you straight, but they want you to get and to understand, hey, you're supposed to look both ways before you cross the street. You're, you're, you're not supposed to drink and drive. And they're going to leave it up to you to discern that from that story about the little chick that had to make it across the barnyard and then the country road and live to tell about it. That's the way it works. So here this morning, uh, I'm going to begin to walk and I, what I found as I began to walk with Jesus, I began to find that in, as, as I came to know him and to learn to hear him and to discern his voice, I had to begin to discern God's voice speaking to me in all sorts of ways that I am sure I had previously missed or discounted before. All sorts of ways I heard God speaking and communicating with me. 
Sure, God would speak through his word, the Bible, and he does. And he would speak through sermons and messages, and he does. <coughs> he would speak to me in formal times of prayer. Or through leaders in the church, or, or Christians, or teachers in Sunday school. But at times I've found, and I hope you have too, that God chooses to send his guidance and send his word through sources that are very unexpected. He does. He speaks that way a lot. I found he did that for me. He does that for a number of reasons. Um, and we're going to get to some of those reasons. But I can remember something that just was so odd to me. Would God use a parent who is an unbeliever? Would he speak to them and use them to speak to you if you were a Christian in that family? Oh, yeah, God would. I once was going to make a terrible decision about my life, and it was prior to going to college. And I was going to spend three years doing something that I thought was what God wanted me to do. It was zealous. It was rad. It was off the charts, man. But to do it, I'd have to give up my scholarship. I'd have to forego going to college. And my mother was a mess. She, she didn't know Christ, but she was napping, and she was crying, and she was praying. Because she had had a background in the church. She just wasn't walking with the Lord. And in that time of nap, God spoke to her in a vision. She gets up from that nap, and she comes, and she looks me in the eye and said, Kelly, God spoke to me, and I need to speak to you. And she told me her vision. She told me what the Lord said to her. He ne she never saw a face. She just heard a voice. And when she told me, and I won't go into all of the stuff she said, I heard God speak so loud, and I looked at her, and I went, you're right. I was wrong. I'm going to go now to college. I'm going to keep my scholarship. I'm going to head that direction, and this is finished and done. I'm finished. Just like that. And I remember thinking, God, you speak through people who don't follow you? You use messengers like that? Man, i got to pay attention more. Because I didn't realize at that point that he does. Do you realize that God uses unexpected people like that to speak into your life? He can use parents, young people, because they're your authority figure. He can use them, so don't discount them. Listen for the Lord, but don't discount them. Man, I had to go along and had to learn time and time again that God would use things, and he needed to use these other avenues because sometimes I was a little too zealous, sometimes too hard-headed, sometimes insecure and just not knowing, sometimes just sinning and, and being stubborn. You know, I can remember once getting back from a, a mission trip in college, and I wanted to go home so bad. I wanted to be able to go home and have comfort food that I didn't make. I wanted to have great food that I didn't have to spend any money for. I wanted to sleep in my bed that was, I was used to. I wanted just to come and, and get away from all the stress I'd been under and the hard work I'd been under. And so I was going home. I was, I was taking off. I didn't have a car at the time. So I borrowed a friend's car, but the Lord kept saying, no, you need to stay here after this trip. You have a few days free, sure, but you need to stay here and there are things I want you to do. Now, I'm going home. I'm going home. So I got this little car. It was a Zot. We called it a Zot. It looked like a Zot. It was almost a little Ford Fiesta, lime green. I got that thing because a friend was willing to let me borrow it. 
I scraped up the money and then borrowed money to get going. The Lord said, no, I don't want you to go. This isn't right. Don't do it. Oh, man, I'm going. So I got in the car in the evening. It was, it was 450 miles home. I'm driving all night, but I'm getting home. So I get on the road, and I start driving, and I'm praying. I'm singing, but God kept saying, no, you're not supposed to go. And I had turmoil, and I kept feeling like, maybe I'm not supposed to go, but I don't know if I should go. Da, 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 da. And so I pull into Pasadena, large Catholic church. I'd been around that area before. It had a big open rose courtyard. And I said, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to pray. God was, I already knew what the will of the Lord was. I just couldn't convince God that my will was his will. You know? I couldn't do that. And so I, I go in there into this rose garden and I'm just praying, Lord, speak to me. And, and I look around and I catch the eye of a guy. He's in the rose garden too later at night. He looks at me. Hmm. I felt pretty confident being out and doing things like that, even though it was L.A. and all that. You know, that didn't spook me at all, so I was cool with it. Kept seeking the Lord. And pretty soon that guy was next to me. Hmm. And then I found myself being propositioned. And then I knew the will of the Lord. The will of the Lord said, you need to go. And you need to go back to school and you need to stay here. And I thought, my gosh, can God use a horny homosexual to speak his will and his word to me? And the Lord said, yeah, I can. Because I have a will and, and a word for you. And I knew, and I got back in the car, drove back, and I did what the Lord wanted me to do. See, I found that God has used all sorts of people that I wouldn't expect to speak to me. Shirtless people who live across, who think that they're, they're the Lord and master of their side of the world. He's used um, long-haired skaters before to speak to me. He's used hippies. He's used people that were clean cut in suits to speak his word to me. God has used circumstances. God has used animals. God has used all sorts of things to speak his word. Of course, we all have our favorite way that we want to receive God's guidance and hear his word. And it's easy to listen to for God's voice only from those sources that we're comfortable from, right? We know them, we're comfortable, we want to listen to those things because those, those sources think like us, those sources act like us, they speak like us. But this would mean that if we're just doing that, that we're never paying attention or we don't believe that God could be telling us something very important through people who are different than us. You know, God does that sometimes. Or people that we don't agree with. Or people who are enemies. Can God speak to you and work in your life and speak to you his word and his will through an enemy? I'm here to challenge you. Yes, he can. And yes, he does sometimes. Does he speak through creation? The word tells us he does. Does he speak through your pet? I, I hope you're not hearing voices, but he can. And he can speak through work animals that you work with. God can speak through all these avenues. So this morning, I'm going to tell you a bit of a story, and then I'm going to read you a bit of an Old Testament story. And it highlights these, just a few reasons why God will use and speak to you and me who follow him. He'll speak important messages to you and me through unexpected sources. And so it's going to highlight that. 
So if you've got a Bible, you can turn to Numbers chapter 22. If you don't, uh, you can read some of the stuff that I'm going to read. Uh, I'll read. I'll tell a little bit. I'll read a little bit. I'll tell a little bit. I'll read a little bit. And then we'll talk about it. And so first we're going to start with 22 verses 1 through 6. And I'm just going to tell you that part of it. So you're not going to be able to read that part of it because I'm going to give you some background. All right? The book of Numbers, it kind of teaches us something about the grueling journey that God's people took from Mount Sinai to the promised land. And what we discover is, is that prior to this book, is that God's people, right, they had come to the promised land earlier. Remember, he delivered his people from Egypt, delivered them out of slavery. They came and they journeyed and they got the law at Mount Sinai. And there they got the law and then they were brought to the promised land. But guess what? They weren't ready to go into the promised land. Why? They didn't trust that God could bring them in, that God could give them that land. The people were too big. They were too mighty. There's no way we can do this. And they weren't ready to fight. They weren't ready to trust. And so they rebelled against God. And so God said, you're going to wander for 40 years. You're going to wander for 40 years. It should have taken you 11 days to get here, but you're going to wander for 40 years until the generation that would not trust me, that rebelled against me, dies. And then I'm going to bring your sons and your daughters back to this place. Well, in chapter 22, they've been 38 years wandering. They've just beat up a couple people groups and won the wars. And, uh, and so now people are beginning to hear about them. There's a people group. They were delivered in a pretty wild and unusual way from Egypt. They're marching now. They've just defeated two countries, and they could be looking to defeat more people. And so here they come, and they come to the plains of Moab. Now, if you're the ruler and king of Moab, you could be a bit freaked. And the name of the, the king of Moab was Balak, and he was freaked at this point because he saw what happened to the two other kings of lands around him. And so he's freaked out, and he writes this letter. He decides, you know what? These people are a special people. I know I've got an army. I might, not, I might do well against them, but I might not. But I know they're following a god. And so I'm going to seek to demoralize them. I'm going to go the spiritual route. So he writes a letter to Balaam. Balaam is a seer. He's a prophet. He knows a bit about hearing from God. He's not a normal prophet. He doesn't follow the Israelite tradition. And yet God speaks to him. But does Balaam, Balaam kind of listens to God, but Balaam doesn't really follow God. Balaam is more about himself and about the wealth he can make as a person in divination than he is about doing God's will for his life. So he's kind of a strange character. And so Balak, the king of Moab, writes him this letter and he's seeking, and he's asking Balaam to curse this people. I want you to put a curse on them so that they're demoralized spiritually, so that I have a chance to defeat them in, in battle. And so we bring up, and it brings us to verse 7 of chapter 22. <clears throat> and this is what it says. The elders, and this will be up on the board here for you. The elders of Moab and Midian left taking with them the fee for divination. And when they came to Balaam, they told him what Balak, the king of Moab, had said. And so what did Balaam say? 
hey, spend the night here, Balaam said to them, and I'll report back to you with the answer the Lord gives me. So the Moabite official stayed with him. Sounds fine, doesn't it? God came to Balaam and asked, who are these men with you? Balaam said to God, Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab, sent me this message of people that has come out of Egypt. They cover the whole face of the land. Now come and put a curse on them for me. Perhaps then I will be able to fight them and drive them away. But God said to Balaam, do not go with them. You must not put a curse on those people because they are blessed. We always talk about the fact that Israel is blessed. They are blessed. They're chosen of God. Chosen of God to bring blessing to the whole earth and to be the people group to which he would reveal his will and his Savior and the way to salvation before he comes and makes all things right. But they've had trouble on that journey at times, and they've not really been that witness. And maybe they're not even being that witness now, right? But God still loves that people group, and he had a plan, and he had a place for them. Let's go on. It says that because they are blessed. The next morning, Balaam got up, and he said to Balak's officials, Go back to your own country, for the Lord has refused to let me go with you. I love that, don't you? He only gave him part of the message. Did you notice that? Because, because Balaam is a little stinker, right? They came with money. They want to pay him. He wants to be paid. He realizes that, and they're going to cover the cost of any kind of you know, divination type stuff he's got to do, any sacrifice or anything. They're going to cover that cost. And, and so... He just basically doesn't tell them that God also said you can't curse them because these people are blessed. He leaves that part out. He just says, eh, um, for the Lord has refused to let me go with you. I can't go. Uh, I wish God would let me go, but I can't go. So the Moabite officials returned to Balak, and they said to him, Balaam refused to come with us. Then Balak sent other officials, more numerous and more distinguished than the first. And Balaam knew that would happen, don't you know? That's what he's trying to do. He wants to get more money or maybe be able to twist God's arm a little more. He wants to stay in this a little longer. And so they come back to Balaam and they said, this is what Balak, son of Zippor, says, do not let anything keep you from coming to me. Don't let anything. Because there's no other Lord or God than me. See, Balak only worshiped himself. Don't let anything keep you from coming to me. Not even this God you're, you're trying to hear from. Because I will reward you handsomely and do whatever you say. Look, and I'm telling you, ooh, this could be a big payday. You know, people always say, man, you know, what if you got that big contract? Wouldn't you go too? Oh, if money is your Lord and God, yeah, you'd go. And it sure is for Balaam. And he's struggling with this. And it says, come and put a curse on these people for me. But Balaam answered them. <clears throat> and I love how he answers. Even if Balak gave me all the silver and gold in his palace. You ever hear in negotiation there's a technique called an anchor point? Raise your hand if you know about that. See, I see some of you in that, right? Jeremy, look at I got a house I want to sell to you. But even if you gave me a million dollars for it, my home. I couldn't sell it to you. 
See, what that shows you right now is you have that million dollars in your mind. And so Jeremy's thinking, well, I can't offer him 150000 which I wanted to for this house. I probably better go a little higher. And so he'll offer me much more than I ever would have gotten before because I threw the million-dollar money mark out there, right? It works. It's sneaky. It's manipulative. But that's what, that's what salespeople do all the time. So you need to know that if you go to get a car, they'll play with you like that. And he's playing with him like that. Let's go on. So even though you give me all your silver and gold in the palace, I could do, not do anything great or small to go beyond the command of my God. And then he says, now spend the night, though. <laughs> I just told you I wasn't going to, but I'll go ahead and spend the night here. Now spend the night here so I can find out what else the Lord will tell me. What else? He just told you. You're trying to strong-arm God. Balaam then did that. That night God came to Balaam and he said, since these men have come to summon you, go with them, but do only what I tell you. I'm just telling you, Balaam was stoked. Woohoo! <laughs> He's like, I'd be okay to go. We're in the money. We're in the money. He, he felt that way. I'm telling you, it's the truth. He was pretty stoked about going because he was greedy. And because he was hoping somehow he'd get, he, and he also knew that if he went with them, they'd have to pay for all the sacrifices, he'd get to eat good. It'd be like going to a B&B, you know? You would get, and you would be given a gift card. You'd eat the best food there was, and you get to stay in the best place, the palace that there was. I mean, it's a free trip. Doesn't that excite you? Right? And that's what excited him. And so he was ready to go. But he's dabbling. Do you see how he's dabbling? He's toying. He's on thin ice with God. He's on thin ice right now, and he's in trouble. And that's what leads us to the next part of this story. All right? His encounter in this next part of the story should wake us all up. It's the donkey episode. So, Balaam gets up in the morning, he saddles his donkey which is what we do, right? And he went with the Moabite officials. But it says God was very angry with him because he knew his heart. God was very angry, and the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. The angel of the Lord came because he knew what he was intending to do. And he was there to oppose him. Now, this doesn't mean I'm just going to oppose you. We find out later, I'm going to kill you. Um if something doesn't change. And I'm showing you I need business. I'm going to kill you. So Balaam was riding on his donkey with his two servants, and when <coughs> the donkey saw the angel in the middle of the road, that donkey went, uh-uh, boom! It gets off to the side. And what does Balaam do? He starts beating that donkey. This is the donkey he's ridden all the time. He knows this donkey as well as he knows himself. And he starts beating him. Donkey's never done that before, but he starts beating his donkey. He gets him going again and gets him traveling in the right direction. And now the angel is in a place that's narrow. And he's standing, and there's a wall, and there's some other open area. And what does the donkey do? The donkey rides hard against the wall, breaking and scraping Balaam's leg and ankle. And Balaam is hacked. 
Because horses will do that to you. If they want to get you off, they'll do that. Anybody ever have their horse do that? We had horses growing up, and they'll do that if they want to get you off. They'll ride you up against things. And so he was riding him up against him and, and messing up his leg. And he started beating this donkey again. That donkey had never done that before, but it's doing now. He gets it back into another place, and now the path is narrow. And there's no place to go to the right or the left. And the donkey sees the angel of the Lord standing directly in front of the path with sword drawn. Donkey lays down. Well, Balaam begins to beat that donkey. I am so sick and tired. This is three times. So sick and tired. In fact, if I had a sword, I'd stab you and kill you right here on the road. And while he's beating him <coughs> the third time, you know the story. What happens? God opens the mouth of the donkey, and the donkey goes, Hey! Yo! What are you doing? Why are you beating me? Well, because you made a fool out of me. So now Balaam's okay with donkey talk, talking donkeys, but, he, but he's not okay with a donkey trying to protect him. And, <clears throat> and so he said, because you've made a fool out of me, he goes, have I ever done this before? And Balaam says, no. You ever thought this is trying to communicate a message to you? One, that I would do these things, and then three, that... I would talk to you because donkeys don't talk? Wow. No. And then the Bible says that Balaam's eyes were open. It says, then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with the sword drawn. So he bowed low, face to the ground. And the angel of the Lord asked him, why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I have come here to oppose you because your path is, is a reckless one before me. The donkey saw me and turned away from me these three times. If I had not turned away, if it, if it had not turned away, I would certainly have killed you by now, but I would have spared it. Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. I did not realize you were standing in the road to oppose me. Now if you are displeased, I will go back. But the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, go with the men, but speak only what I tell you. So Balaam went with Balak's officials. When Balak heard that Balaam was coming, he went out to meet him at the Moabite town on the Arnon border at the edge of his territory. Balak said to Balaam, did I not send you an urgent message and summon? Why didn't you come to me? Am I not really able to reward you? Do you know in that time, kings did not go out to meet prophets. Prophets came to meet them. See, this king is on a mission, and this king is showing special honor because he's willing to do something great for this man who would curse his enemies. And he's telling him, I will, I'm going to greatly reward you. See, this is tempting Balaam again because he's a good uh, understander of human nature and he knows that, man, I'm on the precipice of a big payday or a precipice of having my life taken from me. I don't know which way I'm going here, but this is wild. And then he goes, well, I've come to you now, Balaam replied, but I can't say whatever I please. I must speak only what God puts in my mouth. And then Balaam went with Balak to Kiriath-Huzoth Balak sacrificed cattle and sheep and gave some to Balaam. 
and the officials who were with him. The next morning, Balak took Balaam up to uh, Bamoth Baal, and from there he could see the outskirts of the Israelite camp. He could see it all. See, he's being wined and dined. He's having the best of everything, but he's tiptoeing, tiptoeing on a precipice before the Lord. And he's not paying attention well to the signs that God is giving him and how he's speaking through the unexpected. Why does God speak through unexpected sources? Well, here's the first thing, and this is, I'm just going to run through some of these in your notes. It's because we're acting in fear or sin or even ignorance, not faith. And that's why God will use an unexpected source. King Balak was acting in fear. <coughs> All he could see is what the, the nation of Israel had done to the people around him. But had Balak known the word of God, he would have known that God had no intention to take over and destroy Moab. He never did. He never would have. But because he was afraid and he feared the Lord, rather than being willing to trust him and to seek after him, he never knew that message. He never got that message. He never received that message. He stayed in fear. Even as Balaam came to pronounce time and time again, and through this whole course, Balaam pronounces seven messages from the Lord. Balak still doesn't turn. He doesn't believe. He doesn't repent. God had no intention to destroy Moab. And Balaam, he wasn't so much acting in fear as he was in sin. Balaam was acting in sin and in a divided heart and in a cruel heart. It was not pure. Balaam didn't care about anything other than himself. The Bible says a righteous man will be kind to his animals. You know, this animal had served Balaam well. Served him very well. And yet, he was more readily willing to beat it to death and then put it to death with the sword than to pay attention to a message it might be communicating to him. Wow. You know, sometimes God has to speak to us through unexpected sources because we too are acting in fear or we're acting in sin or ignorance and not faith. And we need something to ignite our faith. Think about that. Where's your heart this morning? How is your heart? Is it full of faith? Or is it full of fear? Do we have unresolved sin that you feel addicted to or controlled by? Do you have wants and desires you know are not the will of God? Have you given them to God and trusted him to be able to heal your heart, to be able to show you the truth and show you the way to be blessed and rewarded through it all? See, Balaam felt like, i got to follow this course to get the reward of, of Balak, and Balak felt, i got to follow this course to get the blessing, uh, uh, blessings in life and to get rid of my enemies. <coughs> they weren't right, neither one, because they weren't acting in faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, the Bible says. We must walk in faith. We must act in faith. Where is your heart? Where is my heart this morning? God will speak through unexpected sources to reveal our hearts, and to heal our hearts. And he wanted to do that through this passage and through this, this story today. But here's the second thing. Why does God speak through unexpected sources? He's trying to get our attention. 
<coughs> God is always trying to get our attention. Our hearts and our minds can become callous. They even become hardened to the familiar. You've heard the regular voices around you time and time again. You can become callous to me. Ah, oh, it's just Pastor Kelly. I've heard some of these things over and over again. I've heard that same story over and over again. I've heard that illustration over again. Or, or that just tends to be Pastor Kelly's soapbox. And you don't listen. Maybe God's telling you something over and over again. Because he wants you to hear it. Because it's important. Right? But we get like that. We're all like that. I'm like that too. Over time, we have to learn, we've learned to put off certain things. And we get used to it. We've learned to reject certain messages, to not give them the attention they deserved. We just learned to do that. I've heard that so many times. I'm tired of it. I'm just going to reject it. I want you to look at something. First, the word of the Lord, it came to Balaam. God spoke his word to get Balaam's attention. So he gave him his word. He actually met him and, and asked him, who are these men with you? And then, this is what I plan to do with these people. They're going to be blessed. But did it get Balaam's attention? No. It didn't that first time. Then the second time, he tries to get Balaam's attention through the donkey's actions. That donkey that he knew well. Three times that donkey tried to get him to stop and go, why is this donkey doing this? But he wouldn't ask the question because he only had his own intent in mind. <clears throat> Three times. It didn't get his attention. Third, his donkey speaking should have woke him up. Would that wake you up if your donkey spoke to you? If your dog spoke to you? Would that wake you up? I hope it would. But that even wake him up. You know what finally woke up Balaam? Because he was so intent to do his own thing. The only thing that opened his eyes was God's direct intervention. It said that God opened his eyes. See, now, to Balaam's credit, though, when God opens his eyes and he sees the angel, what did he notice about the angel that was standing before him? His sword was drawn. Let me tell you something. I used to tell... Well, I better not say that. I'm going to go on. I'm telling you something. If somebody comes up to you with their gun out, expect them to shoot you. They're telling you something. I'm willing to shoot you. You see an angel with a sword drawn out of the sheath? That angel is very committed to doing what it's been sent to do. It's going to use that sword. Right? And Balaam was wise enough finally to see that and know, I'm toast if I don't do something. So I'm down on the ground prostrate before this, this, uh, prostrate before this angel in low submission. So we also find that through our story that God is, is also, you know, and that's, he finally has his attention, but he only has it partially because, because Balaam's heart is divided. But we also find through this story that God was also trying to do what? He was trying to get King Balak's attention as well, wasn't he? Time and time again, through these seven messages that God gave to Balaam to give to the king, he was trying to get the king to listen. 
But you know what happens if you read the rest of the story through chapters 23 and 24 and you get to the end of chapter 24 of Numbers? You find at the end answer this commentary. Because neither Balaam nor Balak really were changed. Only the donkey was changed, apparently. <coughs> but it says this in the last verse of chapter 24. Then Balaam got up and he returned home. And Balak went his own way. That's not a good commentary. All of this stuff happened, and all they could do was, eh, I'm going home. Later, yeah, I'm going my own way. And that was it. That was it. God is trying to get our attention. Always. He wants our attention. Always. Does he have your attention? Do you give him your attention? He deserves your attention. He's Lord of all. Who he blesses will be blessed. Who he curses will be cursed. Whom he'll have compassion on, he'll have compassion. Whom he won't, he won't. Do you trust him? He's Lord of heaven and earth. Does he have your attention? Well, finally, there's a, another very last meaningful reason why God speaks from unexpected sources. And this is it. He wants to bless everyone. Remember that always. Let that be everywhere when you think. God wants to bless everyone. The two main human characters in our story today, they wanted to use God and use each other, didn't they? That's what they wanted to do. To get what they wanted because they believed that was the best way to live life. How'd that work out for them? Not good. And, and it could have been much worse if God wasn't gracious. God wants to bless. But those two characters wanted to use God and use each other. Only the donkey and the Lord had a heart to serve and to bless others. Only they did. God wants to bless everyone in this story. That's why he gave them uh, way more chances than they deserved to know him. Way more chances to repent. Way more chances to do what was right before him and do what was right for others. He gave them opportunity after opportunity. They would not. They cared not. Do you see God this way? That in this story, he is gracious. He wants to bless everyone. Look at his extreme patience. You know you don't even show half that kind of patience if you're trying to discipline one of your kids, right? You wouldn't take that much time to teach and to process things with a coworker or a worker that maybe might be under you. But look at how much God cared and how honest and open he was in this passage, even with people who were not honest and open to him. Don't let anybody ever tell you that the God of the Old Testament is an angry, vengeful God. He is not. He's a God who is so extremely patient and so willing to teach and to guide. The Old Testament, though, is also, and it shows you, though, how stubborn and resistant people can be. And they, they are intent to use and abuse each other. And sometimes God then would step in and say, enough's enough, I'm tired of this abuse. I'm tired of this unrighteousness, and so now justice is going to happen. 
Once Jesus came, the time of forgiveness and grace has come. Jesus paid the price. But when God returns, he'll set all things right, won't he? But not until then. Now's the time of grace. The Bible tells us in Acts 17, verses 27 through 28, it says, God did this. That means he acted in our world and in the events of our lives so that we would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he is not far from any one of us, for it's in him that we live and move and have our being. God's not far. He's an ever-present help in time of need. But are we looking for his voice and for his truth to the unexpected? Are we willing to hear it? So this morning as we close, I want to leave you with a few questions to answer in your heart and before the Lord. How is your heart this morning? How is it? Is it fearful? Is it divided? Is it full of sin that needs to be confessed or repented of? Or is your heart full of faith? Is your heart open to learning and growing? Where's your heart this morning? Number two, does God have your full intention, your full attention in life? Whatever's got your attention, that's the thing you're following. So does God have your full attention? And what is he doing to get your attention? My guess is that if he doesn't have your attention, he's doing some things Lift up your head, look around, ask him, and see where he's trying to get your attention. What do you need to listen to that you're not listening to? What messages have come to you time and time again that you've just blown off because you got tired of them and you've gotten used to resisting them? Don't do it. Don't do it this time. Ask the Lord for help. Who do you need to listen to that you don't agree with or you don't even trust? But because you trust God, you're going you're gonna to listen and try to hear his voice that he may be speaking to you through people that are different than you. And then finally, remember, always remember, God wants to bless everyone. That's why Jesus came. Do you remember his words in John? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believeth him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not come and enter the world to judge the world, but that the world would be saved through him. See, God wants our salvation. He wants our, us to receive mercy and grace. So how does God want to use you to bless your enemies? How? Boy, that's easy. Pray for them. Live the truth before them. Lay your life down for them. How does God want to use you to bless those who do not yet know him? Find a way. There's so many ways. How does God want to use you to bless them? How does God want to use you to bless the donkeys in your life? Huh? Maybe, maybe we've been beaten on or harping on or, or being rough and reckless with certain things or certain people in our lives, and God is saying, be kinder and more merciful. Be more compassionate. Where do you need to be? I want you to stand with me and let's close in prayer. Praise the Lord. Amen. We're in an interesting time where we need to be listening to the Lord and listening for the Lord. Not only are we in an interesting time in our, our year because we're going to get the holidays, but we're also 
an interesting time with the unrest that we have in our world, in our culture. It's important to take the time to listen to the Lord and listen to each other. Don't knee-jerk. Don't do things out of fear. Don't do things in sin. Do things in faith right now. And, and work with God to bless other people. Amen? That's what we've got to be about. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we just ask in the name of Jesus, Lord, we come to you and know that you want us to know your will. You want us to hear your voice and the voice of another and ought to follow. And so we know that you have given us the authority to ask in the name of Jesus. So we're not asking just in our own name. We're asking in the name of the Lord who has paid the price and who has given us the promises that we could ask in your name that you have done. Lord God, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would open our eyes and show us our, our hearts, that you would help us to hear your voice through whatever avenue you choose. And to never be particular about making you choose one avenue over another. Help us to hear your voice and help us to discern the condition of our hearts. God, heal our hearts. Lord, help us to work through the issues that are in our hearts, or the pain, or the trauma, or, or the sin that's there. God, take us forward and heal us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Father, garner our full attention. Help us to hear your voice and to know your will and the voice of another not to follow. So grab our attention, Lord God. If there are other things that are holding our attention, our phones, sports, movies, people, goals, whatever has caused us to have a divided heart and gathered our attention and then pulled it away from you, Jesus, alert us to that and help us to put our attention back on you. And then, God, help us to always remember to know that your heart is to bless us. You can reward us so much greater than any king on earth could reward. You can bring blessing and gifts and help in time of need far beyond what any human being could do. And yet you use us. So use us to be avenues of those blessings and those gifts. Use us, Lord God, to pray for, for those that need to be prayed for, for our enemies and those that are lost and for those that are in need. God, help us to be a blessing and to keep blessing and to receive all your blessings that we might be able to bless others. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. And we just want to thank you again for this story and thank you again for the insights that we've gleaned from it. And we just pray that you would make us more effective hearers and listeners and more fully attentive to you, Lord, because of this. We love you, Father, and we just receive your blessings this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray and we all said together, amen. Amen. Lord, bless your day, your Sunday, and Lord, bless your week. Uh, what other announcements do I need to make mention of? We have a sprinkle coming up on the 19th. That's right. Any other announcements? We won't be meeting this Tuesday night, small group on Tuesday night, but people, I, I was a history minor, 
vote. If you can vote, vote. Let your vote be counted. It's on Tuesday night. Be a part of it. Amen? And keep, his, keep our city and our nation in prayer. Amen. Well, bless your day.